This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Getting ready for signing day coming up tomorrow. We will hit on most of the signing day stuff tomorrow uh, on uh, Thursday down at uh, Monks and Sun Prairie when we do Temple and Heilprin. Um, so... This will kind of serve as our preview for signing day, and then our review will be coming on Thursday. So just uh, a heads up there. A ton of stuff is going to happen between now and then. So it would it, the way tomorrow works out with Luke Fickle's schedule and the, and the way all this stuff plays out, it's tough to it's tough to do that with some of the other responsibilities that obviously that, that Jesse has and that I have. So we're going to do a little preview here, and then we'll do the wrap-up on Thursday night at Monks. So uh, just a heads up in terms of uh, – our schedule. So, all right, let's get into this because we got an opportunity to chat with uh, Luke Fickle for the first time in a couple of weeks. When we spoke with him yesterday, he talked for nearly, uh, well, over 20 minutes, actually. And there were um, some interesting comments. However, Jesse, he wouldn't talk about the transfers despite the school and the tra- and the, the uh, Twitter account for the football team putting out messages of these guys signing whatever they do sign uh but luke said he didn't want to get in trouble so he didn't he didn't speak what him about them whatsoever had to ask about them in generalities and had to ask about in, in hypothetical questions and there were a number of things that stood out but i think the one that stood out for me was just because i wanted confirmation as to why they went out and got a quarterback in tyler van dyke it's not necessarily because they don't like what they have in Braden Locke and nick evers and cola crew and maybe mattire but it's more about the idea that none of those guys are going to be older than redshirt sophomores. And they bring in Tyler Van Dyke, even though he wouldn't comment on Tyler Van Dyke, they bring him in because of the ability to close the gap here, the age gap, um, and give them a little bit, one more year of uh, a veteran quarterback. It makes a lot of sense. And we knew when Tanner was done and we saw Miles Burkett in the portal that they probably weren't going to go into a season with just four scholarship quarterbacks, none of whom were going to be older than a redshirt sophomore. And again, the experience level, I think you have to factor in too, that Braden Locke was the only one from that group that had any meaningful playing time. Three starts, played the second half against Iowa. So now you're able to bring in somebody in Tyler Van Dyke who's been a multi-year starter, who's been through it all in much the same way that Tanner Mordecai has. And it does sort of balance out the classes. It is a... An interesting dilemma that every coaching staff has to face and something that Fickle acknowledged he, he when he was talking to us. He said, do you do you bring in another guy? Do you want to keep doing this over and over again? No, and that's not the objective of what we're doing. But he also said that when you've got really young guys, it can be difficult. You want to bring in somebody to create some competition. So it makes perfect sense why they did it. It's good that they were able to get somebody a little earlier in this transfer portal cycle so everybody's not sweating it out, but that's uh, ultimately how he viewed it. And the other thing that he said is he he considers everything to be a competition. Now, that's what you would expect a coach to say. I have to imagine that whatever conversations were had with Van Dyke, uh, they're well aware of what he's bringing to the table in terms of the number of starts. But you do have to go in and show why you deserve to be the number one as soon as spring ball starts. Yeah, it was. it's delicate when you are trying to write or talk about what Luke, Luke Fickle said about competition mm-hmm. because I don't want to just straight up call him a liar. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But it's like, 
if you're to believe him, it's a it's a competition and it's going to play out in spring. Well, that's not how it played out at all last spring with Tanner nope. Mordecai, because he said the exact same thing. He goes, we said we you know, we didn't promise anything to Tanner uh, Mordecai either. I mean, he was he was not coming here to to compete for a job. Now, he was obviously the clear number one guy. It wasn't even particularly close, but like there wasn't really even a competition with the twos. Brayden Locke was was the two almost throughout the entire spring. So I don't know. The, again, those are things that you could maybe earn during winter conditioning and meetings and learning the offense and all that stuff that comes along with it. But Tyler Van Dyke's not coming here to sit. So while we can talk about a competition and all that, and maybe Braden Locke is given an opportunity, maybe Nick Evers is given an opportunity, maybe the younger guys are given an opportunity to compete for that, but it feels unlikely. Your starting quarterback is going to be Tyler Van Dyke. And so, um, again, not saying Lou Figgles a liar, because I'm sure he didn't say, hey, you're going to be the starting quarterback, but it's all like kind of understood uh, that that is likely the way that this is all going to play out. So, again, th- that will be how it plays out. And the quarterback spot is is one spot that they added. They also added uh, at outside linebacker. And while, again, he did not speak to uh, specifics about it, he did talk about how they essentially wore C.J. Gets all the way down at the bone this year, uh, playing him 70 plays a game, whereas in their ideal world, it would have been maybe in the – 50s but because they didn't have a lot of bodies there that they can consistently count on he played a ton of snaps same thing with Daryl Peterson they just didn't have guys that could sit out there and, and they were comfortable playing on a regular basis and that's why they went out and added the edge guys that they did and Luke said a few different things in that which was an interesting answer that anybody who's been around this program understands that edge rusher has been pretty dynamic for Wisconsin over the last decade or so and this year they were not able to have that level of dynamic playmaking ability. I mean, CJ and Daryl were able to do some really good things, but they didn't have really anybody else that they could rely on outside of Jeff Petrowski. I know I've mentioned this before, but then the the drop-off was precipitous after that, that Caden Johnson played the fourth most snaps at the position and he's played 35 snaps. And that's why Fickle and the staff was in a spot where CJ Getz had to play so much. And Fickle even said that he was a a shell of himself at the end of the season because of how much he had to play. So for them to get a couple guys, again, that Fickle wasn't going to discuss by name, they've got Leon Lowry from Syracuse. They've got John Pius from William & Mary out of the FCS. Both those guys, they believe, can help to fill some of that and also add depth because he said, like, you would love to have four guys that you can roll through there and Wisconsin just didn't have that opportunity this season. Yeah, exactly. And so they are going to, if if all goes to plan, we'll have multiple guys that they can use uh, out there. Some of the other things that he he spoke about because they're the transfer portal is just a mess, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> the transfer portal is a mess. Nil is nil is a mess. It is a, a complete. I don't want, I mean, it is a little bit of a dumpster fire. And he, he said as much, he said, I don't know that we can go another cycle or two with the way this is all set up um, because you have guys that are going to the portal without talking to anybody. You got guys that are being talked to by six or 10 people. I, I kind of in my own mind, I, or uh, kind of in my, maybe even my heart, he was talking about some NIL agents uh, yes. that we have, have talked about or dealt with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so that, that was kind of all, uh, in that as well. I look at him 
and the way that he talks and he's expecting things to, to be taken care of or changed or, and he's, he's said, I, I trust the people at the, at the head of this. I don't know if I do. I don't know how this is going to all be adjusted and fixed and find answers. He said college football has its problems. It does. And he thinks that they're going to find answers, but I don't know that they're going to find answers, Jesse. I do not believe that there is an answer forthcoming that will drastically alter what we're seeing right now. Initially, the transfer portal was just uh, an even bigger dumpster fire because there were no windows. And we saw this at Wisconsin. Guys would just straight up leave in the middle of the season and leave you high and dry at certain positions when they were frustrated they weren't getting playing time. And you can leave now. We saw that with Keontes Lewis, but you can't actually enter the portal until December. My question would be, or or my thought here is, like, what... What are you going to do differently in terms of a time frame? Because of the way this sport works, you've got bowl games that happen in late December and early January, the end of the regular seasons at late November. But the start of the next semester at schools everywhere is in January. Spring ball starts in March, some schools in February. So you tell me how you're going to change this window to make it work for everybody. I don't think that you can. The problem is you have what's going on right now, and it sucks, frankly, especially if you're a coaching staff or a head coach and you're trying to figure out what your roster is going to be. We've heard this on multiple occasions. You have to re-recruit your own players. You know you're going to lose several. Wisconsin's already lost 10 or 11. Um, Not all were on scholarship. Not all were in the program this season, but they've lost a, a fair number of guys who were key contributors as well. You're trying to... Go and talk to these transfers who are in the portal. Bring them into the fold. You're also trying to make sure you've got your recruiting class, which, oh, by the way, is going to sign this week. Everybody is on board there and potentially add some other pieces late in the cycle. And you're trying to prepare for a bowl game (laughs) with players who are leaving in the middle of bowl prep. So, like, there's a lot going on. December, to me, is probably the busiest, most ridiculous month of the college football calendar. I love it, but I don't have to coach a football team. It keeps you and I busy. I just, I agree with you. I don't know that there is a definitive solution coming because I don't, there's no other way to do this really. What what would you say? Like, oh, well, wait until the national championship game is over. You can't do that because not every team's going to be in the national championship game. Some teams will have been done for six weeks. And again, the next semester at schools everywhere start like two weeks later. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's just, Really, really difficult to see how they try and put the toothpaste back in the tube here, right? They they've are allowing all these things, and uh, every time the NCAA tries to do something half-heartedly, at least in my opinion, they get taken to court for it. <laughs> uh, the, the, you know the 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 transfer the one-time transfer rule has been uh, targeted in court and uh, currently not enforceable. While that case plays itself out, it's it's currently not enforceable, and players that uh, have transferred twice and been denied a waiver can play right now that's a possibility actually for for michael mack the transfer from from air force but he's hurt so maybe that we won't see that in the bowl game but there are so many things at play here and there are so many more court cases that the ncaa is facing that these things can change on a day-to-day basis week-to-week basis that uh it's one thing after another and it feels like coaching staffs are getting hit and hit and hit and hit and it's like i don't i don't yeah i don't know how you I don't know how you you fix it 
in this model. And I think maybe it's going to turn some people off. I also think it's still the name on the front of the jersey, even though Wisconsin doesn't have their name on the front of the jersey, as opposed to the names on the back of the jersey that a lot of people have fallen in love with throughout their time. And I know there's some people like, ah, my, my interest in college football is done. My interest in college athletics is done. This is this is going to be like a mini NFL. And I, I, I certainly understand where they're coming from, but I think a vast majority of people are still um, going to uh, support Wisconsin in a number of different ways, not necessarily with their money, but because the, it's Wisconsin, it's not necessarily the names on the back of the jerseys. And though those guys are moving on here and quickly and, and maybe not staying for, for four years and you you're they're here one day and gone the next. And that may be difficult for people to accept, but it is the reality of what college football is and what college athletics is right now. So yeah, very, very difficult to be a college coach right now. And Fick also doesn't think it's great for the, for the athlete either. That said, Wisconsin has had a number of guys either opt out of the bowl game or enter the transfer portal that still had potential eligibility left, right? We know, obviously, start with Braylon Allen and Tanner Portolini, and then, obviously, Rodas Johnson, a graduate transfer, and Jordan Turner ending up at Michigan State. There are a number of holes that need to be filled, and while you may look at it this in past years where it's a big bowl game and you, you want to win it, that has kind of been replaced by, Hey, let's see some of the younger guys. And that's what is kind of, kind of happened here with Wisconsin in their bowl game. You asked about a number of young guys that could potentially play. You asked about, and then he was also asked about, you know, guys filling in roles, right? The, the couple starting roles. We know what is happening at running back. We've seen that throughout the year. Cause we know uh, the injuries to, to Chaz and Braylon that we've seen, but a position at center where Tanner Bordellini is not going to take part in the bowl game you have Jake Renfro, right? That's what you thought. Well, it turns out Joe Huber could also be the guy there. And then it potentially helps Joe Brunner move into the left guard spot. There are a number of spots like this, Jesse. There are. I know you had to be excited when you heard that because Joe Brunner is somebody yes, that my we, guy. Both thought would, <laughs> we both thought would be a part of the rotation this year or at least contribute in some fashion. And that really hasn't been the case. They got to a point where they were just playing with the same five and that's part of why Trey Wedig ended up transferring out as well but that is an interesting development um certainly a lot of people would like to see what Jake Renfro can do since he hasn't played in a game since 2021 a lot of other positions as well now that Rodas Johnson has decided to enter the portal Luke Fickle said that Kurt Neal is somebody who's gotten a lot of reps with the ones and he wants to see what Neal can do with 40, 50 snaps. It'll be a different type of role for him. When you don't have Jordan Turner, they still have Jake Cheney. Muma Jong Med is still there, but Fickle said maybe that gives someone like Tatum Grass an opportunity to get a few more reps. But this is at a lot of positions. And one of the more interesting ones is Jason Matry, the slot corner who decided to forego the bowl game to declare for the NFL draft. And he played all the snaps in the slot. So now... Sounds like, based on what Fickle said, Austin Brown could get that opportunity. And Owen Arnett is in the mix as well. But given how much Austin was able to play at safety, I think he's a very intriguing guy there. So there's a lot of those types of situations. Tretch Kekahuna is somebody that Fickle mentioned as well. I certainly would expect to see him uh, play in the bowl game, which I guess <laughs> means <laughs> that the bowl game doesn't count toward uh Again, I, I, <laughs> so I reached... I reached out to UW last night and asked mm -hmm. about it. And I was given, they, again, they didn't have an, uh, an answer for me, hoping to, to hear back from them. But 
I said I was under it was my impression that it was a one year rule where the bowl games didn't count. Is that your is is that actually true? Can you tell? And that they were going to check with compliance. I mean, again, I have not found anywhere where it said it wasn't going to count this year. So that would mean that would be his fifth game and it would be his red shirt. It would. I don't <laughs> I feel like. I want to know what the rule is here too. Uh, Yeah, maybe that's what I'm saying. Staff knows (laughs) something we don't. I mean, Fickle even said he talked about the four games, right? Like he 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 mentioned that. So I and maybe in a long time ago, you would be like, "Hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna burn this guy's red shirt. That doesn't make any sense." But with how guys are moving in and out of the portal and moving in and out of college football, you know, is it as big of a deal as maybe as it was a few years ago? I don't. I don't know that, you know, so there are certainly that that's something to, to, that's something that I need to figure out. And it's something I've been wondering and I haven't found any confirmation one way or the other on it. Um, so if he's going to, I mean, would you burn that for one game, especially this bowl game? No, I wouldn't. But um, I, I mean, from which perspective, the coaching staff or the players or both? Well, to me, I think it, it, to me in this situation, I would leave it up to the player. Uh, kind of like what, Bo did throughout his entire tenure like he would tell you kind of what you were going to play and you could decide whether you wanted to be now again he hasn't been coaching here for almost 10 years now so it's this mm-hmm. is a long time ago but this that like give them the opportunity this is going to burn your red shirt if you want to do this we're going to go ahead and do it I would leave it up to the player kind of player empowerment here <laughs> a much different version of it but if, if I was Tretch and knowing how badly he wants to play I guess I would probably play, but also knowing that I would not get that year back. Now he's, I guarantee you, he's not thinking about being here for five years. So there's also that aspect to it, right? Like, I don't think there's, there's not a lot of guys who are true freshmen who are as talented as him and and believe in their abilities that they're going to be like, Hey, I'm going to be here for another four years after this. So either way, I, you know, you look at the roster at wide receiver and with Chimray DK and Skyler Bell gone, there's a lot of snaps to be had, especially in the slot, because they moved Vinny Anthony to the outside. At least they did towards the end of the season. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent move, but you know he was playing in front of C.J. Williams. He played a ton of snaps compared to what C.J. Williams did in that Minnesota game when Bryson Green was out. And so you have Quincy Burroughs on the other side. I, I think there's a ton of snaps in the slot to play behind Will Pauling. And exactly. So, and so there are, you know, he's going to get. You would see. It would seem and it, a lot more playing time. But again, Fickle, Fickle made it seem like he was definitely going to be a part of the game plan when, when he talked yesterday. So either he does not care about the red shirt or it's not going to count. I don't, again, need to figure that out. But I'm trying to, who else uh, Who else did he mention? In terms of young guys that yeah, you could anybody? see? I mean, we, we've seen Tucker Ashcraft all year. Yeah. Um, he mentioned oh, Braden, Braden Moore's yeah. name. Yep. But didn't really elaborate he just talked about because i said are there any how i frame the question is just in most years bowl prep especially early is for you see a lot of young guys so are there any young guys that have stood out that could potentially play and um he just said i think the Braden moors of the world are like someone you haven't seen a whole lot but that was it (laughs) yeah and then he went on to talk about austin brown getting more opportunity but i mean we I think we've seen the freshmen that um, they think are going to be a part of this bowl game. It's just a matter of 
how their roles may change because other guys aren't there. But I'm I'm very interested to see what Tretch can do. We did see that clip that the Wisconsin football Twitter account put out of him catching a touchdown pass from Braden Locke with the second team offense. And it would appear to be a lot of reps, as you said, at the number two slot position behind Will Pauling. And we know how much Phil Longo loves his slot receiver. So I think Tretch can be very dynamic in that role. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that as well. Uh, for people wondering, some of the guys that have NFL decisions to make, um, they're all practicing right now. Uh, Jack Nelson's practiced. Uh, Hunter Wolder's practicing. Ricardo Hallman's all practicing. I don't know what that means a ton, but for those wondering whether those guys were actually out there and, and taking part, they are and are expected to play in the bowl game. So we'll see how that uh, goes. All right, before we go, I wanted to hit on some of the signing day stuff here, Jesse. Yeah. Um, so Wisconsin is slated to sign its 2024 class or the, the first opportunity to sign its 2024 class tomorrow, Wednesday, as, as we're talking about this on Tuesday. Uh, they have currently 20 commits in a class that is uh, ranked in the top 25, right around the top 25 um, in the composite rankings, the 24-7 composite rankings. There are possibilities for more additions before – all is said and done. Certainly, uh, uh, Ernest Willard, the, the defense lineman out of Maryland, is going to be making his decision tomorrow. You mentioned in your article that kind of your, your signing day preview, you mentioned Robert Booker from Wanakee, a guy who had committed to Wisconsin, decommitted, went to UCLA, is uh, now also a possibility for Wisconsin. So there are, there are going to be changes here in the next 24 hours. And as I said, we'll talk about it more on the camp coming up on Thursday or on the, uh, on the Temple and high opening coming up on Thursday night, but a little preview here. And I'm going to ask you a number of questions. Which guy are you most excited about in this class? Which guy Ooh. should fans be most excited about in this class? There are, I think there are a number of options and I'm not talking yeah. about just next year. I'm talking about their career at Wisconsin. Who is the one that stands out? Cause I'm going to ask you later on, and maybe you can give me a different name about the one that could help them next year. Cause I think that one, those seem a little bit easier to pick than maybe the long-term view of this. It's much easier for me to gravitate toward guys who put up numbers that you can see make big plays, which is yeah. why I'm generally probably not going to be somebody that's going to tell you an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. That's not to say they can't have massive impact. We, this is Wisconsin for God's sakes. We know, how impactful those guys can be. But as soon as you asked the question, my mind went to running backs, um, yeah. Dylan Jones and Darian Dupree. It's hard for me to pick between the two of them. If I had to, I, I'm, I'm, I really want to see what Dupree can do in this offense. Somebody that Wisconsin was enamored with from the very beginning, this new staff made a big push for him. We know that Alabama came in late. Um, he's got it all. It feels like, especially the kind of skill set that can match what this offense wants to be where you can be dynamic with the when you run the ball but he's a great pass catcher he just was named the chicago sun times i think player of the year so he's the one that i'm really want to see but D dylan jones too like to me it's 1a 1b yeah i mean long term i don't know if i picked those guys but just because i would pick those guys as impact players next year. Yeah. If right. I was, you know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like that would be, those would be my answers and I'll let you answer that in a second. But in, in terms of long-term, the one I'm most interested to see, it has to be the quarterback. It has to be maybe retire because he's a guy that Phil Longo picked out very, very early. And I know he is not as ranked as highly as maybe he was when he committed, 
but he has kind of that dual threat ability and showed down in Texas playing at some playing against some of the better competition in the country that he uh he has I don't want to say it uh that feels a little uh stupid but it, it kind of does and I I don't know that he's going to come in and play right away I, I would highly doubt it but I think long term that's the one I'm most interested and most excited to see how it plays out for him and yeah I know spoiler you, and I know you're going to be yeah okay. go ahead well I was going to say spoiler alert I've got a, a story that's going to be publishing on Mabry Wednesday in the athletic and, and had a chance to talk to him and and the people associated with him I'm very excited about him too to see what he can do I think um Maybe it's because at running back and and I, my mind went towards someone that you would see earlier, which I know is not the question that, that you asked, but yeah. um, he maybe has, I think, exactly what you're looking for in this offense and the way he's vibed with Phil Longo. That that stuff is important because of how much time those those guys spend together. Maybe was considering North Carolina when Longo was the OC there and quarterbacks coach and North Carolina still ended up in his top three. It was North Carolina, Kansas State, and Wisconsin. And why is he coming here? Phil Longo and this offense. He wants to air the ball out. He's a big dude. He's like 6'6", 228, um, but he can sling it. He, he completed, like his senior season this year, 70% of his passes. He threw 29 touchdowns and one interception. And that interception didn't come until, I believe, the last game. But when you think of somebody that's that big, you don't necessarily consider them a, a dual threat candidate, but that is what he is. And in fact, his freshman year, the, the high school that he he plays for, the, the Woodlands or played for, um, they used him kind of like a Tim Tebow type. And, and when Tebow was a freshman at Florida, they would put him in in the Wildcat just so he could gain four yards or whatever because he was such a big dude. But he does have some mobility. He, he ran the ball 77 times this season for 416 yards and five touchdowns. And in his career... He's got over 1,700 rushing yards and 31 touchdowns. So I know you've said when you look at the bio of the players and it has their <laughs> rushing stats and uh, Braden Locke didn't have any really that they put in there, you're going to see it from Mabry. I, I think he's got a lot of what you want, but with quarterback and maybe some of this is, I feel like what's happened the last several years in every way at Wisconsin leads me to pump the brakes <laughs> a little yeah. bit more. Like, we saw what happened with Graham Mertz and he did play relatively early in his career, obviously after Jack Cohn got hurt, but it takes some time, no matter how good you are in high school to develop at this level. And we also know that next year, presumably it'll be Tyler Van Dyke. And then Brayden Locke's going to have a, a three year head start, two year head start on, on Mabry. So it might be a little while before you see him, but I do think he's got all the qualities that you would want. And he's also extremely confident and I, I won't, give away everything that's in the story. But what I would say is that dude works his butt off in, in ways that it's, it's easy to say, well, you're six, six, you've got all the, all the God given talent, but he has put so much time in to be the best quarterback that he can be. Uh, like th I'm talking three private quarterbacks, coaches, I'm talking unenrolling from high school for a few weeks to go train with a private quarterbacks coach in Florida, which I've never heard of before. So he's all in on this process. And, um, uh, Hopefully, if you're a Wisconsin fan, it'll pay off down the road. For sure. All right. So, guys that could help them next year, and you've already used your running back. So, um, what do you got? I shouldn't have used him then, because no, that's... you shouldn't have. That's what I, I was feel... trying to. I was, I was trying to tell you that. I was trying to say, <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask you later which guys are going to potentially make an impact in year one, and you went ahead and took the running backs anyways. But I, I think there are some other options for you for sure. 
in, you know, maybe a Dylan Johnson at a, at a position. Yeah. Defensive line that they need help. Right. Uh, obviously, Ernest Weller, the, the potential for him to be added into this mix kind of adds to it. And he would be automatically he would become Wisconsin's top recruit in this class. But yeah, a Dylan Johnson, a guy who certainly is appears ready physically and is at a position of need where you don't have Rodas Johnson, you don't have Gio Paez, you don't have some of the other guys that uh, maybe you you have counted on for depth. So they are, I mean, it's, it's, it's Kurt Neal, it's James Thompson Jr. And it's, you know, potentially, potentially um, Jamal Howard, like some other guys that haven't really played. So I feel like maybe defensive line could be a spot where a guy comes in and, and helps right away just because of the lack of depth there, especially, you know, maybe they don't get, maybe they get one of these guys in the transfer portal, uh, the kid from Florida state who was in and, and maybe that shores up some of the areas there, but um, I think it's a possibility. Yeah. Every year I feel like there are one or two guys that you can pinpoint and say, because of their talent combined with the need at that position, they've got a chance to make an impact right away. I, I think of Nick Herbig and when he came in, what, what kind of player he was, what they needed. And he, he played right away. And that's why, it immediately goes to running back because of what they're going to need there and the talent. But I don't disagree with you on the defensive line. Another guy I'm really intrigued by, and I don't know how it will materialize in year one, but Grant Stack at tight yeah. end. Um, we've seen what their tight ends have been. Um, now, uh, Hayden Rucci, I guess, has a decision to make on what he wants to do with his future. Hasn't apparently officially uh, announced, and he t- he talked to us about the factors that he's weighing, the fact his brother will still be here, but they need dynamic playmakers down the field. And Grant Steck to me can do a lot of different things. And he's not just a pass catcher. He is a nasty blocker. They played in a wing T offense and he will just knock your helmet off. So I think his athleticism gives him an opportunity to be pretty special. But again, you just never know with true freshmen. I didn't have Tucker Ashcraft on my binger bingo card at the start of no. the season. And he played. Um, but again, look at those numbers that the tight ends put up or or didn't put up. If you're looking for dynamic playmakers, could he be one of them? Now, obviously, they've got a, a transfer portal edition coming in in Jackson McGowan from uh, LSU. But he hasn't played either. So th- I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity at that position. Yeah, McGowan obviously uh, was used on special teams, but didn't see any time on offense uh, this right. year. Another question I have for you is, maybe an under under the radar guy that yeah. whether it's next year or in his career that you think could stand, uh, could stand out for people. Um, I mean, there's, there's a number of options here uh, mm-hmm. guys that are extremely, extremely productive at the high school level. Um, I know which one I'm thinking of, but I'll let you go first. I don't want to take yours. Well, I'll go one on offense, one on defense defensively. I think Raphael Dunn, the safety from uh, New Jersey, I mean, his coach described him as a unicorn. He's 6'4", 200 pounds, playing safety. Uh, originally from Canada, ended up transferring to his school, and, and Wisconsin was able to, to find him. You don't get guys with his body type and ability at that position very often. So I think it's going to take some time. But he's somebody that I'm really interested in down the road. Offensively, Kai and Barry Johnson. Like, yeah. I just... I love his skill set. Not a big dude. He's 5'10, like 160, 165 pounds. But if you watch some of the highlights that he had, especially on the camp circuit, the one-handed catches that he makes, the leaping ability over DBs who are bigger than him, 
it's just outstanding. And it felt like Wisconsin got a real steal there to, to get him a little bit earlier on. He committed back in April. Again, I go to the slot receivers, how much Phil Longo uses them. They're stockpiling them, but he's somebody that is, is very exciting as a player. Yeah. Uh, one that stands out for me on defense is Landon Gauthier. Yeah. Just an absolute tackling machine. And um, as a guy who's going to be coming in early and will have an opportunity to go through spring ball, they have a lot of those guys, right? Uh, that are yes. going to be that are going to be coming in early and um, having an opportunity to compete for for jobs, not even jobs, but uh, compete to show that they could potentially help Wisconsin right away. So, and he's one of them. So he kind of stands out to me, just extremely, extremely productive. And uh, on the offense, I mean, I could look at a number of these guys like uh, Emilio Agard, a guy who a lot of teams wanted very productive in college or in high school and was a winner. I mean, his, his high school, I think they won three straight national championships or at least three while he was there or not national championships, uh, state championships. So there are uh, a lot of really, really talented kids in this class. And I think fans are going to be uh, excited to see them throughout. Uh, is there anybody that, they potentially add down the line. Uh, you know, last year they had Jamel Howard that they that they continued to go after, or is this or is tomorrow kind of gonna be it in your mind? I'd be I'd be surprised if they added in the February signing period just because they may end up with I mean, they've got 20 commits right now. You know, maybe they get one or two more. We'll see. I know Fickle said before when I talked to him in the summer, 20 to 25 is is what they're looking at. I just don't know who else is on their radar um, from in terms of high school recruiting. Now, transfer portal, uh, we'll have to see. But it also depends on, is something going to happen at another school where somebody that you thought was going to sign doesn't and then extends that window into the February signing period? Last year was more obvious. They absolutely needed defensive line help. Jamel Howard was out there. They had him previously committed. He was going to take more time. And so that was just an obvious ad in February. I don't know that I would see that in Feb this time, but uh, you just never know. That's how recruiting is. Yeah, it definitely is. So Wisconsin, again, will announce its signing class tomorrow. I should say guys are going to be signing their national letters of intent tomorrow. And uh, Luke Fickle's scheduled to speak in the afternoon. Uh, as I said before, we'll break everything down because there are going to be things that happen that we're not talking about here that are going to happen. And we're going to be able to uh, clean that up, I think, on Thursday night when we're out at Monks and Sun Prairie. So we will we will do that. Uh, that will essentially serve as our our signing day show coming up on Thursday. But certainly follow along the athletic all, all day tomorrow as uh, it will be a busy day, won't it? I assume, Jesse. Usually is. I'm all for signing day drama, by the way. So we'll see. <laughs> what is what is what is the craziest signing day drama that you recall? Uh, well, last year was a pretty good one with, uh, Tretch having already yeah. committed to Arizona a few days earlier. And then Fickle holds his presser and is talking about, Hey, we may add one more. And it's like, what are you talking about? There's no one left on the board. And then 45 minutes later, Tretch, uh, signs with Wisconsin. So that was a good one. There've been a handful of guys who've waited until yeah. signing day to make their decision. Um, Danny Davis, Danny Davis comes to mind. Yeah. But, um, last year was pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was, I, yeah, I remember Danny day. Da Four star receiver was a big get. It was a big get. And then um there was a guy who was the safety from uh Georgia that that signed day of as well. This um Oh Rashad you know, Wild Goose? No, no, no. Is it Arrington Farrar? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Arrington Farrar, who was kind of like a, a late ad 
in that class as well. So, or, uh, in the class that he was a part of. So yeah, you, you just never know. Things could pop up and I'm sure something's something crazy will happen tomorrow that we'll all be talking about. And as I said, we'll talk about it on Thursday night. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.